0: chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God, and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool is through many words. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words, there is emptiness. Rather, fear God. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Steve.
1: you. You know, I did this last week too. Before you get a good sit, you know, would you stand back up and turn around and say hi to three or four people? Will you do that, come on, you can do that. Tell them, say, good morning. Good morning. Boy, this is a good day. Thank you. It's still morning, way to go. Thank you so much. You can be seated now if you can and try to get that warm thing going again. Um, You know, I want to, before I get into the Word and unpacking the Scripture, you know, Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about practical stuff, but of course it was written before Christ, so we have to put everything, you know, in a context of what God has done in this last, these last days, and then the New Covenant as compared to that Old Covenant stuff, but it's it's really good. But I want to say this first before I get into this. Ladies, great, great job Friday night. I mean... What what an event, you know, um, I know our leadership team, Dawn and Susan and uh, Ashley, and there's a whole bunch of girls that helped make that event happen, but way to go. I mean, over 300 ladies here, and I mean, it's a little estro fest, you know what I mean? I mean, it was something, but lots of laughter. I know my wife told me, she said, man, it was a lot of fun and lots of teaching. She said that the teacher was um, deep and all over the place, and it was really good word, and... And funny, so way to go. That's so good. Also, I want to brag on all of you who stepped up to take a a day on the uh, Feed the, not Feed the Children program. It's called Dinner Before Bedtime. And uh, picking up a meal from uh, Cracker Barrel and taking it to the list of people we have. Thank you all for doing that. Only 31 of you could do that because that's the only days we had and uh, but thank you for what you've done it's just really it's just really a volunteer ministry and you're doing it unto the Lord so I just want to tell you thank you It's good great job well we're looking at the word today and um, I'm talking about I believe it has a lot to do with going to church it was this week you know of course I am not the expert on Facebook but my wife it uh, doesn't do Facebook, so I have to do it for both of us, you know, just to make sure we know what's going on in the world and catch up on all where you guys are traveling. It's great. So uh, this week, though, there was a thread that was running through about people uh, not wanting to go to church. Now, I know none of you were on there because here you are, but you know, just, and it was, they were saying some true things, but you might have said some of these things like, like, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. How many of you know that's true? Sure. Uh, I, don't, I, I can worship God anywhere. That's true. But if you're up in your stand this week trying to worship, you're going to miss the deer that God brought in front of you. I, I, I don't get out of church what I used to. I went, oh, that's, that's a sad one. Uh, you know, they always do the same thing over and over And uh, so, really, I could come back in three years. It's the same thing sometimes. uh, But but the truth is, you want to grow as a Christian. Well, church is a good thing. Uh, Do you want to worship God? Hey, you can worship other places, but church is the place. This is where all of us. Scripture calls you a living stone. Not a living stone. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and when you come together with this person and you come together with that person, God says that. We are built into a dwelling place for the most high. God shows up. So it's true. You can worship God lots of places, but not like when you can with other people in a group or in a small group at a home. Um, it's, it's true. You want to get something more out of service. Here's what I say. Start by you giving yourself more. You know, you know we're going to look at this today, even in the Old Testament. Uh, same old, same old. Hey, everybody get up and let's change seats, Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But see, I, I know the Taggets are going to be over here, and you know, I know Sharon and Jim are going to be over there, and, and you guys always sit right up there. So next time, just really mess the pastors up. You want to? Yeah, just, just sit somewhere. Well, anyway, that's silly. But truth is, God has a lot to say about when we come together to worship. Even in the book of Ecclesiastes, he has a whole lot uh uh, going on so i'm going to get into five or six points that are just right out of this passage and then we're going to try to make some application for us at the end of it but but here's the first thing he says you know you want to get more out of church he says then come with a hungry heart here's what he said he says guard your steps as you go to enter the house of god and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools they don't know what they're doing that it's evil The message says, watch your step when you enter God's house. Enter to learn. And he's talking about instead of doing all the talking, make sure your heart is prepared to receive from God what he wants to tell you. Be hungry. Jesus said it like this. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? One of the Beatitudes, Jesus said, is blessed are you. Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Jesus said, he, she will be satisfied. In other words, if we get used to just coming out of habit, it's a great habit, but if you're not coming going, God, today I, I need to hear from you. Uh, I, and it's true. Some of you are going through crisis right now, and I uh, had a young man prayed with after service, and he says, man, I need to hear from God. I need God to intervene in my life. And I went, praise God, man. That hungry attitude Is one of the conditions that God's going to see in you, and he's going to answer you today. He's going to meet a need in you today. Just know that you're going to go out of here differently than you came in. You're going to be different. And because a hungry heart opens you up to receiving. Because truthfully, I had another lady talk to me after service. She's been a Christian for a while. And she says, well, sometimes I feel like I've heard it all. Well, I started to go, well, God bless you. You know a whole lot more than I do. Uh, I mean we've heard a lot of the same messages before and read some of the same passages before that's true but you know what as a, as an older believer not just physically older uh, but as a person that's been walking with the Lord for a few years sometimes I, if I just get a nugget I call them nuggets if I, I just get just a thought of something that applies to my life I'm going touchdown You know what I mean? Because guys, you're not going to get blown away every time you come to church uh, with new revelation. Not every time. So nuggets are important. Now, some of you guys are young believers and you're going, are you kidding me? It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant every time I come here. Well, God bless you. We're all at different places. But listen, this attitude is essential. You have to have a hungry heart for the things of God. You've got to have a desire. And here's the thing. You say, well, I'm not hungry. Well, that means you're full of something else. Look to the person next to you and say, you're full of something if you're not hungry, right? Because if you don't have a hungry heart for God, then there's something else filling that hole that God puts in you that is just for him. See, and God says, no, I want you hungry for me. So that's true for all of us. Here's the second one. You know, we got to be hungry, but but he says right in this verse to be humble. He says, don't be hasty in word or impulsive in thoughts to bring up a matter in the presence of God. He says, God is in heaven and you're on the earth. Let your words be few. The message version says, don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to. Uh, don't be too quick to tell God what you think He wants to hear. God is in charge, not you. Let's, let's just say that. God is in charge, not me. Let's do it one more time. God is in charge, not me. That's a revelation. The less you speak, the better. You see, humility involves the right perspective before God. Now, truth is, guys, even pastors will do this sometimes, and we know the right question. In, crisis situations is always God what what is it you're trying to do God what is it that you're really trying to say God what are you trying to accomplish through this situation but the most natural first response is always what why I mean it just is it's not the right one but it's usually the first one but why God why 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 is this happening why 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 Uh, explain see we want to explain to God what we think should be happening we want to explain to God why we think it should be going differently than it seems to be going. You know, God, I, sometimes, God, why I don't deserve what's happening. God, I've, I've really been pressing into you. I can't believe you're letting this happen. I mean, God, I, I, it's almost like it's not a reward. See, that's a, that's a works mentality, isn't it? You know, where you think, hey, if I'm doing good, then God, I deserve good. You can't help it. You, you, it's very easy to do that. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. We have to know that all of our walk with God is by grace. So we need to always be listening. We need to have that uh, hungry heart, a humble heart. It's, it's listening, not only with our ears, but listening with our hearts. You can even listen with your eyes. You married folks know that definitely because you're watching the eyes. You're looking for a turn to the left. or the, I forgot which way it is. If you turn to the left, you're lying. Which one is it? My wife always watching my eyes. You know, because they said you can tell if somebody's telling the truth in their eyes. I, I forget, so I really don't know. I just, you know, gonna trust them. But, but we listen with your ears and your heart and your eyes to see what God's doing, what's going on in the spirit realm in situations. And, and here's what he says. Here's the humility that God wants you to know. God says, I'm in heaven. You're on earth. Another way to say that is, There's a God who's in control, and it's not you. God says, there is a God in heaven, and that's not you either. Isaiah 55 says this. Uh, He was talking, this was uh, a few hundred years after um, Solomon wrote this. Isaiah the prophet said this. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my way, says the Lord, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's just basically saying the way you think it might ought to go just may not be the way I think it should go, God says. The things that you think you should do just might not be the things that I really want you to do. He says, guys, my ways are higher. So so be hungry, right? Say, be humble. That means you're just taking your rightful position of servant, not master. You're taking the rightful position of being the clay on the potter's wheel and you're not the potter, right? It's us taking the rightful position of recognizing that we're the sheep and he's the shepherd, right? It's just us recognizing that we're the creation and he's the creator. And so we just have to take our rightful understanding and rightful place, of being humble before him. Well, here's the next one. And uh, you got to have a quiet heart. Now, I use the word hush to try to make it fit into those H's. You probably caught on to that, didn't you? Um, But you got to have a quiet heart, a stilled heart, a a hushed heart. Here's what verse 3 says. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. In other words, overwork makes for a restless sleep. And he says, over talk shows up, proves that you're a fool. And what he, he's saying there is, is, when you're so busy, 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 you think that you're so tired that you lay your head down and you hit the pillow, boom, you're out. Now for some of us, it works like that. Especially if you've got your CPAP working, right? You know, I mean, it's like it helps out, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But for a lot of people, you hear them talk about, man, I'm just, my mind just, I lay, on, I lay my head on uh, my pillow and it just races. My mind is racing and I can't go to sleep. And there's so many thoughts. I got to do this. I should have done that. They need to do this. Oh, my kids are doing that. My husband's this. And my job is that. That's what he's talking about there. The dream comes through much effort. It's hard to get into that REM level of sleep sometimes. And the voice of a fool comes through many words. See, um, it's exhausting to try to be God. Can you just acknowledge that? Would you just give up trying to run the world today? And I don't know for you, but see, I have all kind of solutions for this Middle East crisis. And we, we're going to pray for that at the end of the service. But, but it's like, God, you know, this needs to happen. And God, this needs to happen. And, and, you know, God, why were you so nice to Abraham? He's the one that got all this mess started. See, Abraham, how many, some of you, all this is old stuff. But for some of you, you say, well, what is the big deal about all this crisis in Israel? All four of my kids have talked to me this week and said, Dad... Is Jesus coming back? My answer is absolutely. He's coming back, but, but but is he coming soon? And I say I think absolutely he's coming soon. But here's the thing: we don't know when. But here's one thing that Jesus did say. He says, "You, you know, see, see, Jesus. How many of you know Jesus wasn't Israeli? How many of you recognize that Jesus wasn't Israeli? Jesus was Jewish, and and this is how it came about: Abraham was a man that God started revealing himself to. And he gave Abraham a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to lead you to a place that flows with milk and honey. It's going to be wonderful. And it was called Canaan. And it's that whole region there in the Middle East. Israel is just part of it. It really goes into parts of Syria and Lebanon. It really goes farther than what the nation of Israel occupies right now. And God promised it to Abraham. He says, I'm going to give it to your seed. Your children, you're going to have so many kids, Abraham. It's going to be more than the sands on the sea and more than the stars in the heavens. And uh, Abraham was getting older. He still didn't have any kids. Remember the story? And finally, his wife, Sarah, says, you know what? Why don't you have a son through my handmaiden, Hagar, the Egyptian? Uh, you mean that young girl with the nice tan? Yeah, her. Well, okay, if you insist. And, and, but he did. You see, he got in the flesh and they had a son and his name was Ishmael. But see, God says, no, I'm going to give Sarah a son. And so sure enough, a few years later, finally Sarah miraculously gets pregnant and she has a son named Isaac, right? So Abraham has two sons. He has a son named Ishmael that they end up putting out and he has a son named Isaac. Well, through Isaac, came Jacob and Esau. Through Jacob came, y'all that had vacation Bible school here this summer. Jacob had 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel, and they multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. They were the ones that went to Egypt as slaves. Ishmael ended up hooking up with Esau's descendants and others, and they really became nations to their own self, but both of them claiming laying claim to the promises that God gave to Abraham. It's just God's promise was through Isaac. Now, through Isaac, guys, came all the way down. King David, through King David, comes all the way down to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ was an Israeli, and he was born through the lineage of Abraham, through David, and God had a plan. Scripture says this, Jesus came to Israel. John 1:12, one of the verses we use for faith. It says, and Jesus came to his own, but his own wouldn't receive him. He came to the Israeli people, but a lot of the Israeli people rejected him. He says, but to every one of us who believe in Jesus, he gives the gift, the right to become children of God. So all of the early Christians, all of the early Christians that happened they were all Israelis. They were Jewish. Even the first guy, well, the Apostle Paul that wrote most of our New Testament, he was an Israeli. He put his faith in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he was the one that wrote this. He says, guys, you got to understand, there's, one, there's a common life here. There's common roots here. It's Jesus Christ. It's the life of God, and it's coming up through this stalk he says now now what's happened is some of those natural branches have been lopped off and we the gentiles non-jews have put our faith in the Jewish Messiah Jesus Christ he says it's like you've been grafted in to the life of God it wasn't even for us originally well that's not god knew in his heart who all of us but it was coming through the Jewish people And boom, we get grafted in. It's like a sweet peach and maybe the natural vine's a little bit more of a tangerine-ish tasting orange or something. But now you're the fruit of the life of God flowing through that vine. Does that make sense? So you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? They're in conflict. They're in major conflict. And guess what? I'm not God and neither are you. And you cannot solve that problem over there. It is much, much bigger than any of us. Now, you say, well, what about our government? Well, hey, I think we should side with Israel unapologetically. You know, we should. We need to pray for them. God says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But that's not just for the Jews. It's for the Palestinians too. But guys, here's the thing. This can be stressful. This can keep you up at night. It can. But here's the thing. We're not God. The way it's going to straighten out, what's going to happen one day is Jesus is, is coming back, and scripture says that his foot is going to touch the Mount of Olives, which is in the city of Jerusalem. Guys, Jerusalem is the center of the last day's world conflict. Get ready for that, but just know this, we can't change it. All we can do is pray for them. Can you say amen to this? Now, I know I got off on this, but guys, you're going to hear about this everywhere. There's so many. It's just like noses. Everybody's going to have an opinion out there. But my prayer is that we'll just say what Scripture says. We'll just say what Scripture says and know that God is working in the midst of all of it. Now, here's where I am. See, I, 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 I usually have an opinion. God, this is what I think you ought to do. I, I think you ought to do this, do that. And, and God says, well, I'm sorry. I don't believe I have you on my information council. Uh. You know, at the last heavenly angelic meeting, I don't think you're, you were there. So, uh, but, but this is what he said to Job. Remember, Job went through so much stuff, so many trials, uh, so upsetting. Man, it was, his whole world fell apart. He was rich beyond measure. And, you know, he lost his trucking company. He had his whole fleet of camels were all killed. I mean, you know he, he's Middle Eastern. He was a trucker, you know. And he lost all of that, lost all of his animals, lost all of his cows, his sheep. His kids died. The only thing God mercifully left him was his nagging, complaining wife. And, uh, you know, it really happened. She's the one that's kept saying, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Remember that? Joy, joy. And, um, but, so finally Job has the idea that he's going to tell God what he thinks God ought to be doing. Okay? So he finally breaks down to all this suffering. He says, God, I've, I think this is this. Then God answers him. And, and Job 38, I'll read, then we're going to read Job 40. He said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? God's talking to Job. Who's speaking so ignorantly here? Gird up your loins like a man, Job. And I will ask you a couple of questions, who's trying to instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Or who enclosed the sea with its doors that sets the boundaries to where they only go so far? i have placed boundaries on it. He says, Job, have you, have you ever in your life commanded the morning to turn into dawn? Verse 19, where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where does it come from? He speaks on through chapters 38 and 39. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the abundance of rain comes? Do you know the time that the mountain goats give birth? Do you know how the deers calve? Do you know the time that they give birth? He goes on, he says, basically, he he said, oh, I like this one. Did you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with, with a mane? In other words, he's saying, Job, let's just get something really clear here. One of us is God. And it's not you. Now he didn't say it like that, but he kind of did say. Then the Lord said to Job, "Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it." Then Job answered the Lord and said, "Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth." <laughs> See, that's what he's saying. Who are you to instruct God? You say, well, pastor, I just think you're being a little bit over. We have common sense. Can I just tell you common sense is not really that common anymore? Uh, Well, I I have opinions. That's great. God just says, keep them to yourself. Don't be spreading them to everybody because some of them don't make sense. And basically... God's not being cruel; he's just being accurate. He says, "You're not God, I am so so come before God being humble, come before God being hungry and 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 you know and being still and quiet to where He says, Be ready to listen instead of to talk all the time. I was going to give everybody a sock today, you know, prime had its big sale and I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to buy a bunch of socks and give everybody a sock uh, as they come into church. And she goes, why? I said, because there's a place in this message where God says, put a sock in it. I said, I'll give everybody a sock. We can all roll them up. And, just, and she goes, I don't think that's going to go over. <laughs> so you didn't get a free sock. But, but the truth is, that's what he said. Just put a sock in it. Put a cork in it. Sometimes when you're wanting to voice your disapprovals to God. So be honest with him though. So here's what he says in verses four through six. There's a lot of verses here. And um, these are some of the same verses we've heard the last two sermon series because the Sermon on the Mount said the same thing. Don't make vows, just let your yes be yes, your nose be no's. James said the same thing, don't make promises that you don't keep. Well, here, he, this is where a lot of those came from. He says, when you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it. For he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you don't vow than you should vow and not pay. In other words, he says, keep your commitments. Don't let your speech cause you to sin and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God, oh, that was a mistake. Why should he be angry on account of your voice and destroy the works of your hand? Guys, unfortunately, a lot of us have made vows that we haven't kept. And you say, well, what do I do when I haven't kept all my vows to God? Well, first off, he says, keep them. But in my case, uh, y'all are very gracious to allow me to minister to you and open the word of God, because a lot of churches I've been to won't do that because I was divorced 20 years ago. And you know what? It doesn't really matter whose fault it was. She did this, he did that, I did that. This happened, that happened, that happened. The truth was, I didn't keep a vow that I made to God. Now, I know a lot of you, uh, at least half of you probably, have also been through that same tragedy. And if you have, then you know why God doesn't want you to go through it because of the painful. And in fact, uh, it wasn't just a loss of respect and it wasn't just a the loss. There's consequences, lots of consequences anytime you break a vow. Uh, the asset dectomies, that's a new word I made up, asset dectomy that goes with divorces. It's, it, that's, that'll kill you too. But the biggest thing is you, you broke a vow that you made to God. What do you do when you're in this place? There's only one thing you can do. You confess it as sin. I don't justify it because she did this or she did that and she wanted this, she wanted that. That doesn't matter before God. See, we always want to justify, oh, she's the innocent one. He's the innocent party. She's the guilty party. No, no, here's the bottom line. Confess your sin. If you've gone through that tragedy, confess your sin. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I broke that vow. And move forward. Receive the blood of Jesus and walk in a new relationship with him and keep expecting him to be merciful and gracious to you. But pastor, how can you be a pastor and try to help us stay married and you didn't stay married? Well, I got got some insights for you. I really do. And uh, I, I'm for you, but but the, the, there's others though. I made mean, one time. I made a vow. Now, I, I was not just an informed. I called myself stupid. I went to a David Wilkerson crusade one time. How many of y'all ever heard of David Wilkerson? He used to be up in New York. You know, he 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 passed away. Man, revival preacher. I mean, just. Called people to a heart after God. And he asked a bunch of us, I was a college kid at the time, and he said, How many of you will make a commitment that every Friday you're gonna fast and pray? You're gonna fast every Friday. I will! I was an idiot. I didn't know that all the Pizza Hut specials were always on Friday night. You know, I didn't know that most of the parties I was gonna go to was gonna be on Friday night. You know, I didn't know that all the life group parties and get togethers happened on Friday night. Well, the truth was, I broke that vow. I mean, I innocently but wholeheartedly at that moment made a vow. And, and you know, for two or three Fridays in a row, I probably fasted. But I couldn't keep it. But I made that vow. So what do you do in those kind of situations? Do I carry that guilt and shame the rest of my life until I see Jesus face to face? No, I just humble myself. I'm about to my heart. and God, I'm doing what it says here. I made a mistake. Really, I wasn't a mistake. I meant it with my heart. You knew my heart at that moment. I just can't keep that. So, Lord, be merciful to me. Forgive me for my rashness and forgive me for my sin. And you know what God did? Man, I cannot eat on Fridays anymore. I'm just kidding. I can't. Uh, he forgave me. He cleansed me. And, 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 and what vows have you made? See, I don't know the different vows that you've made. But here's what he says. Keep your vows. I remember one time I was at a church And I'd vowed this crazy amount of money to their building program. Well, God called me to another church. I went to another church as lead pastor and I'd made this commitment. I was a youth pastor at the other church, but I'd made this commitment. I said, now God, surely you don't think I'm supposed to send my extra money over there, do you? And God says, "What? did you make a vow? Yeah, I even signed one of those covenant cards. He says, send it. I went. Oh man. And you know what happened? I laid that before the Lord and the exact amount God provided with me as I traded cars. Anyway, I came up with the cash. And it was such a joy. I mean a f- spiritual joy in my heart when I was able to pay that vow to a church building program that I didn't even go to anymore. Now, you say, well, do we have to do that? I'm just saying this between you and God. I just know what God says many, many places in the Bible. Keep your vows. Keep your word. Let your yes be yes and your no's be no. And when you say something, do it. That's what he says. And when you come before God, keep it. Keep it. Well, so be honest before God. And, and then the, the next one is, do you live in honor to God? Honor him. Honor him with your life, honor him with your words, honor him with your time. And this is what he's talking about here. He says, in many dreams and in many words, there's emptiness. He says, but bottom line is what? Fear God. Now, when he says to fear God, he doesn't mean that you're walking with, you know, expecting a hammer to come down and squish you. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having a heart that honors God, that stands in awe of God. Mary and I had the biggest experience of that. I, I don't know. I think in our lives, we went out to a Zion National Park out in Utah. And I just want to tell you, that was, we said the word awesome. And that's what it was. You walk in, you see these majestic peaks and these mountains and, you know, and stuff. And you just go, wow. It's kind of like moving up here from Florida. All y'all go, Florida's great. Yeah, in January and February, it's wonderful. But coming up here, and it's actually cool. (laughs) You actually see leaves change. See, our leaves change. They're palm trees. They go from green and then the brown, and they hang down. You have to cut them off. But for us, it's awesome. I mean, it's like you go outside, and you see some of these places, and you go, wow, God. Well, that's what he's talking about there. He says, when you come into God's presence, even in a church service like this, he says, can you find something? to stand in awe of. You see, and it might be at a time where people are praying at the altar. And you come and you not only bring your prayer request, but maybe you just stop and bend a knee and just take a breath and say, God, I honor you as God. God, I just declare you're God and I'm not. You just declare, God, you've got this. God, I yield to you. I can't change my parents. I can't change my children. God, I definitely can't change my wife. God, I can't change my husband. God, I can't change my boss. So Lord, I lay it at your feet. You see, that's awe. You're you're letting God be God and you're recognizing that when you ask for God to move in your behalf, you trust him to take it and to do with it what he wants to. Fear God. Give him reverence. Give him respect. Give him the attention. Give him his rightful place. Can you say amen to these things? Now, guys, this is Old Testament. But even then, Solomon says, hey, listen, be humble. God says, you know, be honest. God says, be quiet, be still, honor God. But guys, here's the good news. And this is the last couple of minutes here. He says this, you also... For us, we have to come before God with a new heart and a confident heart. We can do that. And with a heart of of faith. You see, all of those guys, Jesus came, Jewish. He was the Jewish Messiah. The Apostle Paul put his faith in the Jewish Messiah, gave us all of the writings that all of us non-Jews put our faith in. And, and here's what he said in Hebrews chapter 9, I mean chapter 10. Um, let me read it so I don't misquote it. But several, several things there. Let me read it. He says, we want, when you come before God, listen to what he says. You can have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way. Which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And now he is a great priest. He's a great high priest over the house of God. So, verse 22 let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies have been washed. Let's hold fast to that confession without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. Here's what happens. We're going to be humble. We're going to be honoring God. We're going to, we're, we need to be honest with God. But there comes a place where you realize God is God and we're not him. And we're, he's in heaven and we're on earth. And you can't work your way there. You can't earn your way there. God says, no, I'm going to make a way for you to come to where I am. And that's when God took on a human body, Jesus Christ. And in, while he was in his body are in that body on earth, those 33 years, he went to a cross, having never sinned, Jesus having never sinned, even though he was tempted just like we are in everything, and he went to a cross and paid the penalty for our sin, shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he says this, if you will receive him, put your faith in him, we can become children of God. Isn't that good news? He says, you want to worship God? Worship coming through the blood that Jesus sacrificed for you because that's the only thing that can give you a clear conscience. See, if we try to come before God in prayer even or come to church and we're saying, you know, God, I've had a good week. I haven't cussed a lot. You know, God, it's been a good week. I helped that lady. Remember that she didn't have enough money at the, you know, I gave her that, that other $1. twenty-seven. God, I, I've had a good week this week. You can't come before God based on anything you've ever done or not done. You come before him with one thing. Jesus, thank you for the blood that was shed for me. I put my faith and my hope in what you did for me when you died for me on the cross. And he says, that's how you come to church. That's how you come into his presence. If you're in a tree stand or if you're on a fishing, somebody said this. this God told me this morning... People came up after church for service. One guy said this. He says, pastor, I think I'd rather be in a tree stand thinking about God or, in a, or thinking about fishing than being in church thinking about fishing. No, and he said, I'd rather be fishing thinking about God than being in church thinking about fishing. And of course, I'm going, are you wanting me to bless you somehow? I mean, all I'm, saying, all I'm saying is God wants your whole heart. And he wants you in church. That's what I believe, but you can only come with a clear conscience when you put your faith in what Jesus did. Can you say amen to that? Now, I don't know, I know we have guests every week, and here's the thing, most of us at some point in our life in here have understood that. We've put our faith in what Jesus Christ did for us. We have done that. Now, it doesn't make us perfect on earth, but it does make us perfectly acceptable to God who is in heaven. He said, oh, surely not. Yes, surely. And he starts changing us while we're on earth. And that's what he's doing right now. That's what he's continually, constantly doing. But some of you just need to start. You need to get in the faith. You need to be grafted into the vine so that the life of God can start flowing through you. Can you say amen to that? So here's, I just want to close the service this morning Uh, don't have a song and don't have an altar call planned but if you're here and and let me just ask you this boldly boldly you're going to come you can come boldly before God but sometimes you got to be just as humble before it gets started how many anybody here that would say pastor I need Jesus I know I do I need a savior I need forgiveness I have not trusted him but I need that praise God thank you brother God bless you man thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, thank you, are there anybody else, thank you for being humble and being bold, now just do this, all together, can we pray with these people, let's all pray together, and would you just pray out loud with me, just say it, just humbly like this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, let's just let that count for a minute, I need a savior, can't save yourself, can't earn your way to God. Now, would you say this out loud, everybody together? Lord Jesus, as humbly as I know how, and as honestly as I can, I say, Jesus, come into my life. Everybody together, take control of my life. I receive what you did for me. Just stand there for a second. I receive what you did for me. Now say this with me, everybody. Lord, the best I know how, I yield my life to you and ask you to change me. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. And he will. He will. He'll lead you from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, from one event to another thing to another thing, and he will work in your life And the whole time he's going to keep saying, just trust me, you're not God, I am. He's going to keep saying, I'm in heaven, you're on earth, and until under the sun, while you're here, just keep trusting me. And you know what? He'll change us from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. That's his promise. He'll help us get through those situations. Our children are in his hands. Our parents are in his hands. The crisis in Israel is in his hands. The crisis in our high schools is in his hands. God is working. Father God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing and seeing us. And thank you, God, that you're gonna give us grace to be humble before you. You're gonna give us grace to be quiet before you. You'll, be, you'll give us grace to, to, to be honest and you'll give us grace to honor you. And Lord, you'll keep us hungry. But Lord, more than that, you'll keep us. We give our hearts to you, you'll keep us until the day we see you face to face. Lord, we ask you to, God, work in the Middle East. God, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, God, that you'd work and give grace. Show yourself strong in all of these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen, amen. God bless you. Now, you can't earn your way to heaven, right?